0: morning, everyone. I'd like to invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of Numbers, chapter 23. We're going to be looking at verses 13 through 26 this morning. Now, as you're finding your place in your Bible this morning, a bit of a word about our philosophy of preaching here at Rivermont. What we do here is what we call expositional preaching, which basically means we feel like the job of the pastor is to expose the meaning of the Word of God. To look at the text itself and to have all of the points of our sermon come from the words that are here before us. It is God's Word, not my Word, not my ideas. The text is what is central. And so this plays itself out in some very practical ways. One, our general practice is to go through books of the Bible. The meat and potatoes of what you get here week in and week out is an exposition through a book of the Bible. Again, it means that our points come directly from the text and it means when I go out of town for three weeks, We don't go and do something different. The other pastors here are just as capable of opening up God's Word and exposing the truth that is there. And so we don't jump around, but we stick to the same message. As we've gone through the book of Numbers, we've seen that the Lord is capable of speaking through many different people. He has spoken through Moses. He has spoken through Balaam. He even spoke through Balaam's donkey. And so as we come to God's Word this morning, realize that what is central is not the person delivering the message. What is central is the message itself. God's Word to God's people. Let us now turn our attention to God's Word. Numbers chapter 23, starting in verse 13. And Balak said to him, Please come with me to another place from which you may see them. You shall see only a fraction of them and shall not see them all. Then curse them for me from there. And he took him to the field of Ziphram, to the top of Pisgah, and built seven altars, and offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Balaam said to Balak, Stand here beside your burnt offering, while I meet the Lord over there. And the Lord met Balaam, and put a word in his mouth, and said, Return to Balak, and thus shall you speak. And he came to him, and behold, he was standing beside his burnt offering, and the princes of Moab with him. And Balak said to him, What has the Lord spoken? And Balaam took up his discourse and said, Rise, Balak, and hear. Give word to me, O son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? Behold, I received a command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot revoke it. He has not beheld misfortune in Jacob, nor has he seen trouble in Israel. The Lord their God is with them, and the shout of a king is among them. God brings them out of Egypt and is for them like the horns of the wild ox. For there is no enchantment against Jacob, no divination against Israel. Now it shall be said of Jacob and Israel, What has God wrought? Behold, a people! As a lioness it raises up, and as a lion it lifts itself. It does not lie down until it has devoured the prey and drank the blood of the slain. And Balak said to Balaam, Do not curse them at all, and do not bless them at all. But Balaam answered, Balak, Did I not tell you all that the Lord says That I must do. This is God's holy word for us, His people. Let us go to Him now in prayer. Father, we come to You now at this time and we ask, O Lord, that You would again be faithful to graciously give us Your Spirit that as we come to Your Word, we might have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand, and that we might truly and more deeply believe your word this day through Christ our Lord. Amen. Is the church dying? I think that many of us have bought into the idea that Christianity in general is on the decline, that biblical religion is becoming outdated and outmoded. There's a general sense that secularism is advancing and that Christianity is retreating. And this slide is seen as somewhat inevitable in the history of the world. The world is just getting worse and worse, and there's nothing that is to be done about it. Unfortunately, there are many who would even try to use the Word of God as a defense for this view of the church in history. They explain something along the lines that the world is just growing more and more evil. The church is to become smaller and smaller, a smaller remnant of the world's population, and there's nothing to be done but to hold on for dear life until the end. We need to huddle together and play prevent defense for the last few minutes and hope that we don't lose everything in the process. And a church that feels this way about the future is a church that is not advancing. It's a church that will not grow. It is difficult to have any confidence in sharing the gospel if this is your view of history. It's discouraging to give your time and talents to a cause that you feel is on the decline. I mean, how are we going to inspire the next generation to take up the gospel call if we keep complaining about the future and telling them that there's no hope? Just hold on! Is not a mantra that engenders confidence in a cause. So what should our view of the future be? B. How do we have confidence that the future of God's people, the church, is a future of blessing and life, and not cursing and death? As we come to our passage for this morning, we come to a frustrated king, Bala. He has hired Balaam to curse the people of Israel, to impede their advance into the land of promise. But the initial run at cursing Israel did not take. Instead of cursing Israel, Balaam has actually spoken words of blessing over God's people. And so Balak hopes that a change of venue, a change of perspective will provide the result that he desires. Look at verse 13 of your text there at the very beginning. Balak said to him, said to Balaam, Please come with me to another place from which you may see them. You shall see only a fraction of them and shall not see them all. Then curse them for Me from there. In these opening verses, we see a change of location with the hope of a change in the result. Look, just come over here. Maybe if you see them from another angle, you'll be able to curse them for Me. Yet what we'll see is that the Lord's purpose to bless His people... Is unchangeable. There is fixed in the ordinances of God an immutable decree that His people will receive good and not evil. They will receive life and salvation. They will come into the land of promise and they will possess an inheritance in the land of Canaan. And since the Lord has determined to bless His people, there is nothing that anyone in all the world that King Balak can do to change the situation. There is nothing that the prophet Balaam can say to overrule the Word of God. The Lord's blessing of His people is unchangeable. Now this past week while I was on vacation... I went with my three younger children to one of those children's museums. It was in Greenville, South Carolina. And while we were in line to buy our tickets, I heard a frustrated mother say something that I think that we all have heard before, or maybe even said ourselves. She threatened her two young misbehaving daughters, If you don't stop this, we're going to go back home right now. I know that we have all felt like saying this at some point. Look, I'm trying to bless you. We're trying to do something fun here. I am going to give you good. But if you don't stop misbehaving, then we're going to have to go home. As we've gone through the book of Numbers, we've seen plenty of opportunities for the Lord to get frustrated with the behavior of Israel. They're grumblers. They're rebels. They are ever-changing their allegiances. Sure, God wanted to bless Israel with the land of Canaan, but they proved themselves unworthy of this blessing. And we might expect that He would look at Israel and say, Hey, if you keep acting this way, we're going back to Egypt. You can forget about milk and honey. You can forget about manna. You can forget about water from the rock. Find your own way home. Yet that is not God's response to Israel's ever-changing character. Yes, there are consequences for sin. And yet, these consequences never negate God's purpose to bless Israel. Look at verse 19 and see the words the Lord has given to Balaam to speak. God is not man that He should lie. Or a son of man. That He should change His mind. You see, the reason that God's people can have confidence in the blessing of God isn't because they have an unchangeable, unwavering faith and character in God, but rather because God does. You see the contrast that is being made between God and man? Man lies. Man changes his mind. But God is not like that. God never changes His mind. His character is unchangeable. And therefore, they can have confidence in their blessing. We read in James 1.17, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Now what's the foundation of that? That every good and perfect gift comes from God. That every blessing comes from God. Listen. With whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. What is the ground and the hope that the people of Israel will be blessed? The unchangeable nature of God. There is no variation. There's no shadow of turning. He is not a son of man that he should change his mind. We grumble. We complain. We change our tastes and our opinions daily. So how do we have hope or confidence that God will bless us as people? How can we have any confidence that the future of such a rebellious people is one of blessing? If I take an honest look at my life and evaluate my motivations and desires... My words and my actions, I realize that my character does not deserve blessing. Nevertheless, the character which guarantees the blessing of God's people is not our character. The character that guarantees our blessing is God's character. It is God's goodness. It is His mercy. It is His holiness and righteousness that guarantees our future will be blessed and not cursed. Is this not what the Lord meant when He said through the prophet Malachi, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. The ground and hope of future blessing Is not the ever changing character of man, but the never changing character of God. Now, just as the character of God does not change, we also see in our text for this morning that the Word of God also does not change. Look at the second half of verse 19 into verse 20. There we read, Has He said, and will He not do it? Or has He spoken, and will He not fulfill it? Behold, I received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot revoke it. First, we saw that God does not change. He is what He is. He is what He will always be. God does not grow. He doesn't learn. He doesn't change His mind because He is perfect. And you can't improve on perfect. And therefore, just as He does not change, neither does His Word. If He has said that He will bless His people, there is nothing that can change that word of promise. He said it and He will do it. He has spoken and He will fulfill it. Psalm 89 reflects this truth. The Lord says in this psalm, I will not violate My covenant or alter the word that went forth from My lips. Once for all I have sworn by My holiness, I will not lie. In the book, The Day America Told the Truth, it was reported that 91% of Americans routinely lie about what they consider trivial matters. 36% said that they routinely lied about important matters. And no one knows how many people lie to those who are taking a survey. So who knows what these numbers actually are? 86% say they... lay they lie regularly to their parents 75% to friends 73% to siblings 69% of people in America lie to spouses we lie all the time but not so with the Lord no matter what Balak offered to the Lord no matter no matter how many sacrifices he made No matter the change of location, no matter the gold given, the Word of the Lord stands forever. If God has made a promise, He will fulfill it. And what was the promise that was made concerning the people of Israel? We'll read in Genesis 17, God's Word to Abraham, the father of Israel. The Lord says, I will establish My covenant between Me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojourning, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. Oh, Bob, what are you thinking? The word of the Lord has gone out from His mouth. There is no overcoming it. There is no denying it. The Lord has sworn to be the God of Israel and to give them the land of Canaan. And if God has said it, He will do it. And to you, Christian, as the sons of Abraham, adopted into the family of God through faith in Christ, These unchangeable covenant promises are made to you as well. For the church is the assembly of God's people. We are Israel. And His promise has not changed. It has not lessened. In reality, it has only grown more gracious. For the church has not only been promised the land of Canaan, but we have been promised the entire world through the covenant with Abraham fulfilled in Christ. As we read in Romans chapter 4, the promise to Abraham and his offspring is that he would be heir of the world. You see, this is God's covenant promise the assembly of His people, the sons of Abraham, Israel, the church of Jesus Christ, however we want to refer to them, this group of people called out by God and living under His covenant blessing will inherit all the earth. The grass withers. The flower fades. But the Word of our God will stand forever. There is no expiration date on the promises of God. They never run out. The Lord will be our God. And to the church, the whole world will be given. You see, we have confidence in the unchanging blessing of God. First, because He is unchangeable. Second, because His Word is unchangeable. And third, because His mission is is unchangeable. See, the covenant promise of God to Abraham was given as part of God's broader mission to the entire world. Now, there are views of the universe that see all events as just random. There's no meaning or purpose to why things happen, there's no controlling factor, no goal, no aim. Life came about through the chance collision of organic material in the proper proportions and conditions. It developed randomly into the biodiversity that we see today. Human consciousness is a mere accident of this process. And one day, all the life we see on on earth will be gone and nothing will be left of our world but a cold, dry, lifeless rock. But the Word of God teaches us a much different view of the world. One that has purpose and meaning And ends not in the curse of death, but rather in the blessing of everlasting life. It has been God's mission from the beginning to bless His creation with His life-giving presence. He created man and woman in His image and then commanded them to fill the whole world with this image. Yet sin entered the world through Adam's disobedience and through sin, separation from God's presence and death. Nevertheless, God's mission did not change. Throughout Scripture, we see Him continuing to pursue this purpose, the blessing of all the earth through His life-giving presence. He called out Abraham to be the father of a nation in which he would dwell, and through whom he would bless the world. He brought the sons of Abraham out of Egypt and dwelt with them in the wilderness through the tabernacle. He established them in Canaan and dwelt with them in the temple. And the presence of the Lord came in fullness at the birth of Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham, the son of Judah, the son of David, the son of God. God became man and dwelt among us, bringing the blessing of God's presence, even everlasting life. And it is still His purpose to see His life-giving presence spread over all the earth through His chosen people. Look at verses 21-22. through 22. We see this mission spoken of. Why is it that we cannot see Israel curse? Because the Lord their God is with them. And the shout of a king is among them. God brings them out of Egypt and is for them like the horns of the wild ox. For there is no enchantment against Jacob, and no divination against Israel. The Lord is with Israel. And therefore there is no curse that can be brought upon them. When God determines to accomplish His mission, there is no denying Him. Pharaoh could not stop it. Balak could not stop it. No scheme of any man can stop it. It is like a steamroller that a slug is seeking to stop. That slug is going to do nothing against God's purposes. Or to use the image that the text used, it's like a lion over its prey. The lion will get its prey. For the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of His heart to all generations. And this is why we can have confidence in the blessing of God. Because it is God's unchanging purpose to bless all the world with His life-giving presence. This second attempt to curse Israel is no more successful than the first because God's blessing of Israel is part of His unchanging mission to bless the world. And while the church in the 21st century has its challenges and its adversaries, we cannot give in to the idea that God will abandon His promise to abide with us to the very end. To bless and to prosper the mission of spreading His presence to all the ends of the earth through the proclamation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ was crucified to rescue sinners from the curse and from death and by His unchanging grace to bring them into a body of blessing and life. Even His body, the church. It is His purpose to bring sons and daughters from every tongue, tribe, and nation and to adopt them into the family of Abraham that He might be their God and the God of their children and He might give to them the whole earth filled with His presence. For He makes an unchanging promise that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. He makes a promise that He will never leave us nor forsake us. He makes a promise that the gates of hell will not prevail over us. He makes a promise that He will bring all of His children safely home and will dwell with them forever. And so despite what you might think about the church, It is not in decline, for it is growing throughout all the world. And while we might see the Western church as struggling currently, the church in Asia and Africa and South America is expanding rapidly. Reports are coming from China that the underground church numbers in the millions. In Indonesia, the highest Muslim population country in the world, a Gospel movement is occurring that is bringing thousands to Christ. Do you know that mission experts estimate that more Muslims have been converted to Christianity since the events of 9-11 than in all the 1,400 years prior to 9-11? God will not go back on His promise. The future of the church is victory. The mission of God will be accomplished. And one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And until that time, of course, we will face bollocks. Those in power who would see the people of God cursed. But take heart, Christian. Christ has overcome the world. Be not afraid. Be not discouraged in your Gospel witness. Do not despair that all is for nothing. For the unchangeable God has given us an unchangeable world word considering His unchangeable mission that the whole world belongs to Christ. And God will bless His people as we go forth to see all bow their knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we come to You now at this time and we confess that so often we are fearful of the world. We are fearful of consequences. We are changing in our dedication to You. We pray, Lord, that You would hearten us to this mission, knowing that it will be accomplished. That the name of Christ will be lifted high for all the world belongs to Him. We pray, Father, that You would give us confidence as we go forth to spread the message of Your Gospel in whatever part of this world that You have placed us for Your honor and glory. Amen.